Hello and welcome to the Sky Time podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that promotes Sky and profiles the people that drive the island's economy. It's also a celebration of Sky's vibrant history, culture and environment and aims to gently persuade visitors to spend more time, get off the beaten track and experience more of what our island has to offer. This week, my guest is Jeanette Sutherland from SAC Consulting, who's been working on a couple of projects that will provide a valuable link between crofters and land managers and visitors to Sky. Jeanette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, first, SAC Consulting, it's part of SRUC, Scotland's Rural College, but what does it do? So the, the arm that I work for is a, gives advice to crofters and farmers on lots of aspects of their businesses. So it might be from what fertilizer to apply, advice on technical aspects of their agricultural business, or looking at subsidy and grants. But we are part of a bigger organization, so there'll be people that study uh, with the education through SRUC. We've got, uh, and we've got researchers, and we've got our own specialist vets, which is a great um, um, strength for us because then we can call on experts across lots of different areas uh, for our own clients here in Sky. And what about your background? How did you become a, an SAC consultant? Well, I've actually I grew up in Sky from a crofting family and I actually studied ecology at a university, which you would think maybe isn't directly related to agriculture, but actually it's been a really important aid because a lot of the work that we're doing, because this area is a high nature farming value area, does work with uh, conservation. So managing important species such as uh, corn crake or curlew and things like that. So it does come in useful. And I guess it's been hard this last 12 months for you because a lot of your role would be hands-on, out and about, meeting crofters and farmers. Yes, it is hard. It was always a, a very friendly office and uh, people just used to call in and we were often out on uh, crofts and farms at different times of the years as well. We've adapted a bit to the online working and depending on what state the regulations are, we have been able to do site visits and farm, croft and farm visits when, when the regulations allow We've heard a lot about how the tourism and hospitality sectors have been affected by COVID and, and lockdowns, um, but have farmers and crofters been largely immune to the to the issues in lockdown? Well, it's interesting. The first lockdown was much more stark than the current lockdown restrictions we have at the moment. And certainly there were some benefits to primary agricultural producers because for doing things like gathering or lambing, there was no negative impacts from tourism for that. However, there have been obviously negative impacts. For example, the, the calf sale that normally takes place in Portree due to the COVID regulations had to take place in Dingwall because social distancing didn't allow all the buyers that would normally come to fit in the Portree Mart. So that was a big adjustment. But the, the local hauliers and the local mart have worked really, really hard to try and keep the, the trade flowing as much as possible. From an ecologist's point of view, it must have been quite pleasing the first lockdown because uh, I remember everything changed, everything went very quiet and you could hear the birds and the, there seemed to be more birds around. The wildlife just seemed to be enjoying itself. I think it's really nice to see that people were really appreciating, like throughout the UK, the nature that's on their doorsteps. And we're obviously really, really fortunate in Sky because we've got not just beautiful landscape but we've got where uh, lots of important habitats for like very important red listed birds and lots of mammals so 
uh, and I'm not trying to underplay any of the, the difficulty because a lot of craft businesses are underpinned by either self-catering or tourism things. But I think the slower pace maybe allowed sometimes people to see some of the, the wildlife that maybe normally when they're juggling so many things they don't have a chance to do. And what will the challenges be for farmers and crofters as we hopefully come out of lockdown this summer? I think there's different aspects. Some of it will be a big benefit that, like I said, the self-catering accommodations they do or the tourism connected jobs that they have will restart and that can only be a good thing. However, there are areas where there are tensions because of like these sort of tourist hotspots. And, you know, it's it's tricky because the needs to be more education for example like if you don't realize where you are you might think oh there's no livestock here at all i can let my dog off my lead but actually from the point of view of the crofter that might be an area where hill sheep lamb and the last thing they want to see is a dog running free so i think there's as the tourism has increased and built up in sky there's an increased need for better communication because i think a lot of the time that people, they don't want to do the wrong thing, but they just aren't able to interpret where they are to make sure that they are doing the right thing a lot of the time. And I think there's lots of scope that organisations like Sky Connect can help to bridge that divide. And most importantly, I think it will actually enhance the tourist experience because, you know, if you go visit a place and you get a feel of how the people actually live and what actually happens behind the tourist facade it's far more interesting for a tourist so i think there could be it's not i'm not no collaboration works or partnership working is ever easy but i think that there is real win-wins that could happen as a result of it this as you've alluded to the the project you're working with sky connect and other organizations on it is about promoting sky's natural capital how do you define natural capital I was doing a presentation about my project and I was getting teased because the project's titles are always quite jargony. But basically, what natural capital is, it's accounting for things that often get missed off accountants sheets. So it's looking at the value of all the animals, all the plants, all the soil, all the clean water and everything like that as a whole. And what's interesting about Sky is that the two enterprises that rely on the natural capital are obviously tourism, because it's it's that natural capital that's drawing tourists to here, but also the crofting and farming, because that's the, the semi-improved in the wild vegetation. That's what the, the animals are living off. And the more intensive agriculture, like the where people are making hay or silage, they're really important habitats for birds like corncrakes. So... It's a high nature value farming system because actually people don't want to necessarily see it rewilded because you would lose maybe important birds like the corn crakes. And also they do like the open aspects that some hill sheep and cattle provide for walking. They're using the same resources and it's to try and improve cooperation and reduce any conflict with those shared resources. And how much of a disconnect is there between landowners and visitors to Sky? And presumably it varies hugely. I think it does vary hugely, but I think it's understandable that even those crofters and farmers with tourism enterprises who are the most connected, it's understandable that even they are maybe less connected 
to tourists now that there's so many more of them on the island than when there was only a few. Because often in the past, when there was lower number of tourists, often it would be, uh, you know, families would come year on year and year and there was like strong relationships built up. And that doesn't exist to the same amount now because people often come for once or they stay for a very short time. So it's understandable that people maybe see tourists more as a group rather than necessarily thinking of that family that visit <laughs> you see what I mean so there's just something to do with scale that has to be and maybe needs more formal communication than would have happened in the past because if there was less tourists than if they saw you doing something they'd maybe stop and ask you about like clipping outside or things like that but as the pace of all people's lives have got busier I think those just accidental connections don't happen to the same degree that they did in the past. Now you've does that se- make sense? It, it does make sense, absolute perfect sense. So you've secured some funding to do a feasibility study into projects that will help alleviate some of these issues. Just talk to me about how this so-called, and I know it's a working title, the Sky Foundation will actually work. So what we're hoping to look into is whether there's a need and whether the farmers and the crofters and the land managers would appreciate a way of cooperating to tell their story. So instead of it being ad hoc, there would be a concerted effort to explain the story. So people like when tourists came, if they were looking at what they might think is an open hillside, maybe the interpretation boards could actually explain that there's different hefts and there's different sheep that live there at different times or that the cows go out at certain times and explain a bit more to explain how it is a living in a working landscape. And then there would be looking at whether there could be voluntary donations by tourists and that could help fund things that might either help protect the natural capital in the island or actually work and maybe help fund measures that would help mitigate any of these tensions. For example, maybe paths to be rerouted to be away from sheds or places where people are working with stock for health and safety reasons and things like that. So it's all very early days and we're going to be speaking to a range of land managers and different things and then also try to work out what would be a potential working model and with structures and things like that and how the technology would work. And it might be that obviously with all feasibility studies, it might be that for cultural reasons it can't work in sky like it has worked in other places like the lake district but the funding will really allow us to see if this is a solution that could be used on the island there's a few issues there to to explore one of them the method of getting the the educational messages across you mentioned interpretation boards and uh, that can put the hackles up on some people that they see it as a blot on the landscape are there other methods that you would consider for getting these messages across Yeah, because we actually, as part of the project, we had talks with the sort of the motorhome group of Sky Connect. And actually, although I mentioned interpretation boards, that actually a lot of the information that the tourists are now using is digital. And so I think there has to be a digital platform for it. And actually, it's happening organically because unfortunately, she's no longer with us. She passed away. But we had one Highland cow on our croft. And that Highland cow, through tourists alone, had a Google peg and she had lots of five-star reviews. (laughs) And so you can see that there's actually, the tourists like taking her photo and they were then happy enough to tag that so then other tourists could take that. So, and that cause does no problem as an example, but sometimes that can happen in dangerous parts of the road. So the Sky Foundation would hopefully be proactive so it could give people like 
information like that like in advance so that there's not just the classic you know local person is driving behind tourists and then they see a cow and they put on the anchors and it's you know road traffic and bad for people's blood pressure so i think there does definitely need to be a digital element of it but you'll be delighted to know that since i'm a slight bit of a luddite at times i will not be leading on that <laughs> bit of the project <laughs> but it sounds like something that um, the skytime website for example would be ideal for posting information and possibly video or uh, audio uh, diaries from people that help to explain the messages that you want to get across yeah and of course it might be that like this is only a feasibility study so it might be that people are like that's not what we're wanting to do i think there is something useful in trying to see if people can work together because it's kind of luck whether you happen to be in a tourist hotspot or not and it can be good luck or bad luck and i don't think it's if there's things that people can cooperate so it's not putting the pressure on particular families to do any of this promotion or outreach stuff if that's not where their interests lie then it makes sense to start see if there can be cooperative models that can hopefully get the benefits from giving tourists good nudges but without it just becoming somebody's problem just by dint of geography. You mentioned that the scheme has been running elsewhere or a similar scheme the Lake District you mentioned have you got any examples of how it has really helped the relationship between land managers and visitors? Well, we're going to hear more from both cases in the Isle of Arran and also in the Lake District. And I think the Lake District one has been very successful because it's actually grown past not just donation boxes and QR codes of people giving digitally voluntary. Other businesses have got involved as well. So like, say, if people are getting um, like a meal from a restaurant that, you know, it might be asked, would you like to contribute to this fund? And it's part of the tip kind of thing. So the fact that it's it spreads shows that it's something that both the tourists are interested to do, but also the fact of what that's allowed farmers and community groups to do both for infrastructure and for allowing community events to go ahead, I think are is very important. The good thing about the feasibility study is we'll be able to interview the people involved in these projects and see what bits are the same as Sky. And obviously there'll be things that just aren't transferable. And that's what the feasibility study will allow us to get to the bottom of. This is probably too early for you to say, but is there any evidence about the willingness of visitors to pay and what they actually get from that idea of donating to the land that they're visiting? Well, we don't really have from the other projects, but when we were speaking with various people in Sky about the idea and the representative from the Manganish Community Hall Association had said that, you know, often if there's ever a breakdown in their collection points for their specific car park, often they'll give people, and it's totally voluntarily, the information about how to pay for their parking at a later date. And often they were saying that although the the standard fee is this, the donations that they get in, it's surprisingly a high number and also it's often higher than the set fee. So none of these things would be compulsory and we'll get more information from the Lake Districts about which places they found worked well for these donation points and which ones didn't. And it may be that people in Sky just think, no, we don't want to embrace that at all. But I think it's important 
even if Sky decides not to go down this route, I think it's important that it's been looked at and decided against rather than it just feeling like it's a missed opportunity. The second project I wanted to talk to you about, and you mentioned the SkyConnect Motorhome Group, is the possibility of linking visitors coming with motorhomes and crofters. Can you talk about, and I know it's very early in the, in the project, but what you're looking at there? Uh, SkyConnect has um, a motorhome group and we attended some meetings with them. And there's certainly issues in Sky because at some times, especially with the COVID regulations reducing the capacity, there was probably too many motorhomes for the, the sites that were open last year. And that did lead to tension in some places with inappropriate disposal of waste and things like that. So there is a problem at the high times. And so there could be potential for crofters or farmers that were interested in that to look at whether their crofter farm could host either a certified location, motorhome place or a bigger thing. So as part of the natural capital project that's funded by the University's Innovation Fund, we're going to create a like a small leaflet with just some practical hints and tips of what to think about before you go down this route. Crofters and farmers are always being told it's important to diversify, but with all these things, it's important to diversify into something that you actually want to do. So it's to sort of give some hints and tips for the planning stage to decide whether that's a useful thing for you to do. And presumably for the majority of crofters, this would be just literally a place to stop over for the the camper vans. The servicing side of things would have to be done at a formal camper van motorhome servicing unit. There's a variety of options available. Like there can be um, in some places that they're just creating like overnight stops and that can actually be in towns, car parks and things like that. And then there's servicing other places. But the leaflet will cover the various options because if you're in a remote place, you probably will want to have some kind of either disposal facilities very near you or create your own because nobody wants to create demand where they can't meet with the the pollution things. There's also interesting things, you know, everyone's been encouraged to be more eco-friendly. So I think there's probably important messaging to go out about the types of chemicals to use in the toilets, because if there was one type adopted, it would mean that it would be possible for village halls that use septic tanks to take that waste. But unfortunately, with the, the vast majority that's used, it has to be treated separately. And that's why a lot of the village halls and the existing public toilets networks aren't really set up for it. So the infrastructure is definitely a problem. I would personally advise that if you were going to have camp out on a site on your croft, that you would need to have the waste disposal included in a, a cost at the start because until there's a vast network across the island, you've not really got anything to rely on. And in your informal discussions with crofters, what sort of appetite do you think might be out there for this project? I think there's a wide variety. And I think as long as the information is out there, I think there could be benefits for some, not like there's no crofters doing it already. It might help with dispersing the motorhomes around a bit if there was more interest. But at the same point in time, the leaflet will help with the thinking it through because there's not that many fields that are dry enough that you would want camper vans going on all year round so there's either some planning or thinking right well do we need some hardcore to repurpose a quarry or something like that so I don't think in a lot of places in Sky that it's a quick fix it would need to be something that had planning and the right infrastructure to mean it worked smoothly. 
So perhaps not for this summer, but for future years, it could be part of the solution to some of the, the overcrowding issues. Yeah, I think it's not something that a lot of people should jump into because there is capital investment required if you're going to have either hard standing or waste disposals done yourself and in the future there might be a much bigger network across the island of disposal things and so that might not be required but you wouldn't want to create demand that you then had problems with. Jeanette Sutherland it'll be interesting to see how these two projects uh, develop thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. And if anybody has any questions or wants to follow up any of the discussions about these projects, then my email address is part of the show notes of the podcast. And that's all for this edition of the Skytime podcast. If you have a story or a business to promote, email simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. Please also get in touch if you'd like to sponsor Skytime or advertise your business on the next podcast. Until then, stay safe. Aikiva. Aikiva.